and welcome to the latest episode of Racing Only Better, where we are in great spirits because we had such a good week last week, courtesy of Brendan Duke, who has replaced Dan Barber because he's so crap and Brendan's so good. And that's the way this works, essentially. The only sadness here is that we are very kindly team Team Betfair podcast, move the podcast so that I could do it again today because I'm supposed to be here for Sky Sports Racing at Newcastle. And I was still late, despite the fact that you moved the time of the podcast. And the reason I was late, the only person who will appreciate the real reason that I was late is Dan Barber. And he'll be listening to this. You guys don't have to respond to this. But Dan, the reason I was late for the podcast is because I went to Betty's for a fat rascal. And so anybody, anybody from Yorkshire will know what I'm talking about. Anybody not in Yorkshire will be wondering what the hell this woman is on about. But that's what happened. I went to Betty's for a fat rascal and I'm late as a result. So, how, how long is your drive, Vanessa, from where you live? Pardon? How long is your drive to Newcastle? Well, it's four and a half hours from where I live, but I stayed with my mum last night. So it was two uh, hours. Uh. Different, yeah. different scale of things over there, Brendan. Jesus Christ, you get from one 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 end of Ireland to the other in four and a half hours. My God, well, indeed, yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, ferry house and nice this weekend. Probably none of them more than thirty five minutes from my house. Well, oh, the it, dream, it, the dream. Well, Bless Ireland. That's assuming my driver doesn't spare the horses, but 40 max. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, Brendan, look, we're coming to you first because you had such a good week last week. I hope you've got an equally good, what was it, 18 to 1 poke that you tipped at eights? Uh, well, indeed, Vanessa. Uh, well, well said. It's, a, it's important to put that corollary in. Uh, yeah, well, I've, I've a touch of performance anxiety, I have to say, because I have to repeat it again to get back next week. It's uh, it's like a game show, this podcast. They say, but, uh, they say pressure is for tyres, but really pressure is for you, Brendan G. Pressure is for Brendan G. Okay. Kevin, you have never tipped a winner all winter like me, <laughs> yet you keep coming back on the show week in, week out. That's what a yearly contract does for you rather than the week-by-week basis. Uh, look, you see, Vanessa, with my track record, Barry Orr knows that the, that the big one could be just around the corner. A 12 to 1, 12 to 1 winner wouldn't be a big deal, Vanessa. It's a 25 to 1 winner I'm looking for. So we're looking at you. Anything can change, Vanessa. Just give it a chance. Hey, look, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm in the same boat as you. Uh, TC, should we have a little weather watch? Because we're looking at racing uh, this weekend on Saturday from Kempton. We've got Lingfield, Newcastle. We've got something for everyone. We've got the stairs up north. We've got some nice types at Kempton. And we've got a bit of all weather action in there too. So there really is something for everyone. But in terms of the ground and weather watch, TC, what are we, what are we saying? Any rain anywhere ever again? Oh, it's 50 degrees in Saudi Cup. Where uh, Kevin's going to be napping, no doubt, with his. <laughs> I'm the only one that isn't there, I think. <laughs> well, no, the King of Saudis lined up one up for Kev to get him off his losing run. Um, right, Kempton, we've got good, good to soft. They had full milk yesterday, no more rain due. It's going to be around about um, good ground oh, yes. at Kempton. No excuses, good ground, they say. It. Uh, Newcastle, bizarrely, it's good to soft there. Bizarrely, they're putting on five mil of water today with a wettish forecast for the next two or three days. So, obviously, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. Um, so, I'm not, a, they should be allowed to water on good to soft ground, should they? But anyway, I know they've had their problems there. And Lingfield weather is uh, dirt in all, in, in all respects. Okay, Beautiful, well, consistent, all weather. 
Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Let, we've had, I love the all-weather action this weekend. Uh, let's kick off with Kempton, though. We've got four races to discuss from there, live on ITV on Saturday. And do not forget, Bet 10, Get 10 offer from Betfair. It's this Saturday and every Saturday now, leading up to the Cheltenham Festival. And you have a £10 bet on racing multiples. You get a free £10 bet. But please do read the show's description for the T's and C's because you have to opt in now. And that's very, very important. So... Let's start with the Adonis Juvenile Hurdle. It's the grade two. It's over the two miles. Scriptwriter is your seven to four favorite with Betfair at the moment. Rare Middleton is next for Paul Nichols, Harry Copton, seven to two. And then Nuzrek comes in here at four to one over from Ireland. Daryl Jacob in the saddle for Joseph and Kevin. As a result, we are going to start with you so that you can give us the inside track on Nuzrek. And then your tip, if it is anything other than this horse, please, sir. It's going to be Nuzrek, Vanessa, because... Uh, of course it is. Uh, I, yeah, I don't think these British juveniles are terribly good. And and Joseph, young Joseph O'Brien has been bringing over juveniles there this season and, and drop-kicking the British opposition out of the park at, at will. And um, it might happen again here. Now, th- this horse, he's, he, he wouldn't be similar to Comfort Zone, who's been doing the damage there um, for the last couple of months. He, he's not the world's easiest. Like, like you, you want to talk about a workhorse, he's been a proper workhorse all the way along, like looked a proper stakes horse on the flat and, and didn't really do it. Uh, he's a tricky ride and he's been the same over hurdles. Um, wants to be ridden patiently, wants to be delivered late. Um, go back and have a look at the ride um, Mikey Sheehy gave him when he wanted the flat. It was an absolute beaut. But look, things haven't gone right for him the last twice. Um, ground was too soft for him at Fairy House last time and it, it probably was too soft for him at Leopardstown as well but he's the type of horse you'd want to drop in last and uh, and ride with loads of confidence and Daryl will, will have got to know him very well um, having ridden him all three times over hurdles and the key is the ground um, that's why he's going there more so than anything else um, and the thought is if he goes well here um, he, he he's probably one to miss Cheltenham I'd say um, and he could be going to Aintree from here. But, uh, yeah, I think he... I, I I don't think there's a huge amount between himself and Comfort Zone in the very best days, and Comfort Zone has already put away a few of these. So um, getting weight from the two... Well, not quite two, the two main contenders, but certainly the Fav and um, Perseus Way, who's I'd have up there with the best of them. Um, I think he might be able to get the job done with a bit of luck. Okay. Nazra at 4-1. to one. Brendan, are you siding with the Irish horse as well? No, no, I, I, I mean, I, I, I do respect Nosrad, although, as Kevin said, he's, he's a tricky horse, and I definitely respect Scriptwriter. I mean, he's two from three over hurdles, a narrow defeat to Comfort Zone the last day, no shame in that. And we shouldn't forget that he won a flat handicap off 102. So, I mean, this is a talented horse. But sometimes you have to believe your eyes. Well, you don't have to, but sometimes I believe my eyes in this game, uh, Vanessa. And this Sarsen's risk. So he's a very interesting horse. Uh, didn't have many runs on the flat and he was going nowhere, basically. But they gave him a two-month break during the summer. He came back and won a couple of handicaps and then was narrowly beaten in a valuable uh, all-weather handicap in Newcastle. So that, that was in September. Appears in February. Very well backed for a juvenile hurdle in Doncaster. Jumps out. 
pricks his ears. He, he jumped out in second, actually, but after two hurdles, he was in front. Such was his exuberance. I mean, it's very unusual that you would see, a, a particularly an ex-flat horse, take to jump on hurdles the way this horse did. The only slight mistake he made at any of the hurdles was he overpitched at the second last. And even then, he just snapped straight back onto the bridle. The ears pricked again. It's It, it, it was almost, it put me in mind of a, a, a situation like he, he jumped out and it was oh great lads let me at the hurdles this is what I was born to do now he definitely wasn't he's by Caravaggio I don't know if he's having some class of an identity crisis on the flat now, I mean his, his, his flat mark would have him somewhere in the mid 80s so he's still got a stone to find with script rider even with the uh, getting the five pounds off him so he definitely has to improve but I'm convinced he'd be a better model over hurdles and a 10 to 1 you can afford to believe your eyes can't you would you like a fact Brendan Uh-oh. go on yeah. Caravaggio is two from two with his uh, with his sons over hurdles. He's had two runners over hurdles, and the both two of them have won, including this oh. one, obviously. Oh, so that, that, that would have been that would have been a big price. It would, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the people who stand them will not be happy to hear that. But anyway, <laughs> he's, in Japan, he's in Japan now. It's all right. Yeah, I thought he was. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, if you go if you go on Twitter, you'll see him. They they ride him every morning. There's some brilliant videos going up on him of Twitter. He's a beautiful grey horse. Yeah, man. Uh, put, they, they, they put up animal. some great content. Yeah, they actually do. They ride Animal Kingdom as well, and the other one too, isn't it? Uh, the the Jumpmont horse. I love it. It's great. But anyway, we we've diverted here. Um, Tony's gone to sleep because we're talking about stallions all of a sudden. Tony, come on. <laughs> what do you fancy? The wake back up again. What do you fancy in the well, Um, yeah, I'm particularly keen to um tip the winner of this race because it's named after me, obviously. Not cold. Oh, yes. Don't yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> juvenile. <laughs> yeah, juvenile as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all of um, yeah. I just, uh, opened up at five and that was quickly trimmed in on, on Thursday morning. You can see the case for that, can't you? Because like, like Kevin said, I mean, if he kicks these out of the way, the way he's been dismissed by the best of the Irish juveniles and doesn't even go to Cheltenham, it kind of like sums up the, UK's chances in the triumph. Um, Power Poor is the most interesting one for obvious reasons. Um, it's a mare getting a lot of weight. And this race has had a habit of, of throwing up some really good debutant winners. Um, they haven't really gone on, but Zoo Bear and Solo in recent years. And obviously, Zarkander won this before the triumph. And Nicky Henderson won this um, with uh, another triumph winner in Soldatino. Um, Back in 2010, but that one had a, a go in France. But I get it, and it's you know she's got real good form on the flat with William Haggis, lightly raced, progressive. But I get the impression, having spoken to the jockey this morning, that maybe it's one of these ones where they'll chuck her into these graded races, and if she doesn't win, they'll keep her a maiden for next year. So um, I don't think there's a massive amount of confidence there. I, I'm a big fan of Perseus Way. I mean. Unlike the trainer who didn't enter him in the triumph and just thinks he's a boodle's horse, but if he goes and wins this under a three-pound penalty, um, which he may well do, I mean, they could they could regret that stance. But uh, yeah, at seven to one, I thought Perseus Way uh, was probably the best bet. But in all honesty, I probably won't have a punt in the race. To be honest with you, but Perseus Way at sevens was probably the best price out of the whole lot. I'd have thought. Okay, uh, let's move on to the Pendle Novices Chase. It's the Grade Two, and as Tony's already mentioned, Solo's in here who did win 
the Adonis Novices hurdle back in 2020, and he's back in this race now. He's seven to two, third best in the market behind Boot Hill at six to four. And that's all right, Gino in here for the Jamie Snowden team at three to one. Those are the top three in the betting. And then Tweed Skirt comes in here at nine to two. JJ Riley completes the field at 12. So small field as we would expect over the two miles, four and a half furlongs, Brendan. But um, as the prices suggest, given that the outsider is 12 to one, uh, everything in here with a shout, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, yeah, no, I suppose that 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 is fair. Um, I struggled to get away from the fab, I have to say. It'll be no consolation to odds on backers, but being beaten five lengths by Tommy's Oscar, conceding them five pounds the last day in the context of this race will probably still be good enough. I actually like the step up and trip for him. He's always looked like a horse to me who wanted a little bit further. And I just thought he was probably slightly better class to these and he would make it pay on Saturday. Yeah, sure. Uh, Vanessa brief, briefly left us there. Uh, Boot Hill, like, is there a slight question mark about him being fully effective at this trip? I wonder. Um, you know, he's he's been doing. You know, he has a bit of form over two and a half, but all his best over is over two. Um, I, I'd have it as a slight question mark myself, and given weight away, I'm inclined to take him on, and I'm taking a small swinger with tweed skirt, um, getting all the allowances. I like, guess twelve pounds off Boot Hill. Um, mayor's allowance and unpenalized as well two from three over fences uh, and probably shaped it a bit better than the bear result last time um made a right old horlicks of the second last that day might, might have been challenging for second otherwise uh, and that wasn't a bad old race like that jeremy's flame is like close on a 150 mare at this stage so um getting the 12 pounds from the fav i'll take a chance on tweed skirt it may surprise some of you, given that I think people think I'm posh and I'm not. I've never worn a tweed skirt. That's a fact of life. I've never worn a tweed skirt. Just so to- but, but what the people want to know, Vanessa, is has Tony Calvin worn a tweed skirt? <laughs> <laughs> no. But you've never worn a tweed skirt, but your uh, your staff have, yeah? <laughs> yeah i mean it's their uniform tc it's their exactly. uniform every single day <laughs> you shouldn't dismiss it either it's it's a very saucy look particularly with those black tights and a hip flask it's a very it does things to a man just just oh, this mind. this podcast has taken a, a left field turn here good to know your taste brendan let's move on let's move on tc remember, remember that woman who got caught in the crowd about three years ago when she was drinking Probably oh yes, the binoculars. binoculars. <laughs> oh yeah, that. I love that. Yeah, she was a posh <laughs> type, wasn't she? They're ingenious. Um, no, we should. Sorry, TC, TC. Before before you give your tip, we need to mention that that's all right. Gino is actually owned by Anna Glyn Davies, who heads up the Betfair sponsorship team. So shout out ah. to Anna. I don't know if this is good or bad news for her. That I it's rare as hen's teeth. That I don't know the expression. I'm, I'm assuming hens don't have teeth. I'm not a country girl <laughs> like you, Vanessa. Um, I actually think that's all right. Gino's not a bad price at three. Um, yeah, here we go. Yeah, I, I mean, I they ran an absolute stormer last time. Obviously, and I give Stage Star an outs, a good outside chance in the Turners, and he did really well to run that to just under four lengths, and it was ten lengths back to the third, and he would have got a lot closer if he hadn't started into the last two fences and. You know, I thought that was a great performance. I think the key to it was obviously the step back if in trip, which he which he which he has here. I think he'll be more suited to the two mile four than Boot Hill. 
Um, Boot Hill has got that good handicap run behind Bowport over two mile four, but I'm more in the Kev camp than the Brendan camp about the trip for Boot Hill. And uh, although I see one firm, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon, I see one firm have just gone up trying to get Boot Hill at 15 to 8. I, I think they'll be accommodating. I think that's probably a little bit too big, but no, that's all right, Juno. The, the two actually met at uh, Newton Abbott over two miles in. Um, in October, only three quarters of length separated them there. Um, two length, uh, two pound better off now. That's all right, Gino. I mean, granted that run totally flattered. That's all right, Gino. But I just think the step up in trip is a key to it. I thought the freeze was fair. The only real question mark I've got is all that's all right, Gino's form is going left handed. Um, He's got a couple of runs on on right-handed, and one was in a bumper, and one was when he got pulled up behind Constitution Hill. So that would be a slight worry, but no, I, I think that's all right. You know, he's progressive. I think he's found his right trip, um, and he hasn't got that much to find um, with, with the with uh, the boot hill uh, giving away the five pound penalty. Yeah, that's all right. You know, freeze is is fair. I'll probably have a little bet on that. Love it, and one for the Betfair team as well. Good luck. Go on, Anna. Um, Let's move on to the three o'clock. How much are they paying them if they can afford racehorses? Well, a lot more than they're paying any of us, I, I presume, the sponsorship department. But anyway, let's move on to the handicap chase. And this is the big handicap on the card at Kempton over the three miles at three o'clock. Kevin, we will start with you. And Sam is the favourite here at 15 to four. And Captain Nord, next best following on from the win on Saturday at Ascot at four to one. He's obviously got to carry the penalty, but it could be a big across the card handicap chase double for Christian Williams, given that he's got a good chance in the either a little bit later in the afternoon as well. Um, St. Calvados is next best for Harry Cobden at five to one. And no, David Maxwell is not riding St. Calvados before you try and tip it on that angle, Kevin Blake. Fondor Castle, next best for Johnny Burke and Tom George at eight, then our power eights as well for the Twist and Davis, Sam Twist and Davis, Sam Thomas team. Uh, those just the top few in the betting, but very competitive as you would expect. And Sam up at the top of the betting currently, Kev. Yeah, I have to compose myself now before I deliver this, Vanessa, because you, you'll recall a couple of weeks ago, I chastised Dan Barber for daring to suggest that uh, David Maxwell being replaced in one of his own horses would be a jockey upgrade. But uh, San Calvados is very interesting for the um, don't take it to the max angle uh, because in fairness, as much as I love Al Maxi, um, this horse isn't, was never an easy ride. Um, and, and buying him, he set himself a very ambitious task and uh, the partnership ha- hasn't been gelling terribly well. Um, of course, we all remember Ascot where Al Maxi went, went off maybe, maybe maybe half a stride too quick in front in the two-runner race and ended up getting beat. Um, and he didn't settle great from um, last time at Kempton either. Um, whereas Cobden, in fairness, one of the, one of the best around, um, got a great tune out from the last time they partnered up um, last year. And look for the two runs under under the max. Um, he's been dropped seven pounds, and I think with Cobden back on. Um, I think he's very interesting. Uh, you know, you know me, you know Vanessa. I like these ones that um, that are given the older handicappers that are given over generous treatment, um, especially in forgivable circumstances, which um, you can you can definitely spin it that way in his last two runs. So um, I'm hoping San Calvados will go and do the job for Harry Cobden, who will only be keeping the saddle warm for the max when he makes his <laughs> glorious return. Okay, St. Carlos at fives then. Tony, over to you. You were keen on Captain Ord last weekend, or you were sort of, well, you, you justified his place in the market anyway at, at Ascot, and now he has to do it under a penalty today. Are you, are you still with him? 
Yeah, I did have a few quid on him last week, and he's effectively eight pound higher here because uh, Frodon participation means four of these are out of the weights. Um, but yeah, I mean, even if he got raised eight pound for that seven length win last week, uh, you wouldn't have quibbled too much. You only got five. But um, yeah, I mean, the quick turnaround's the obvious problem there, isn't it? But uh, but you can give him every chance, and I. They've delayed uh, the booking of a jockey, but it's um, just come up of an hour ago. I think they booked uh, Keen Quirk, who's a um, good Irish, well, he's a decent Irish claimer. Um, so taking off five pounds there. Um, so, yeah, you can see that. I can see phlegmatic. But the more I looked at this race this morning, I didn't do an anti-post column this week. I, I wanted to come into this um, this weekend fresh and, you know, not being kind of like hung up on, on previous prices. And um, and that would be a problem with St. Calvados because that was double prices earlier in the week. But no, I like Clondor Castle in here. Um, Captain Ord obviously won the race last year. And Clondor Castle won this race in 2021. And um, he's back on the same mark here. I know he's an 11 year old and he's had a lot of problems, but I think there was a lot of, a lot of promise in that run behind Pictoria after over a year out last time. And that was the race, uh, which was a springboard to winning this two years ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's had a lot of problems, but I, I Googled and I managed to find a very a rogue article in some local mag about you know, how Tom George uh, uh, has got this horse back from injury. And he was really obviously very pleased by that. And clearly this has been this has been the plan all along. And you have a situation whereby in this horse's record in handicap company is, is just superb. I mean, he hasn't run in handicap company since winning this race two years ago. You know, he's been running in grade one and grade two company. And um, yeah, back to back to this kind of grade off that kind of mark on ground. He'll love because he's a good ground performer uh, away from, you know, the likes of Clanders Obo and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I I can really, really see him going well. So, yeah, I, he's uh, sports will playing four places and eights. There is a there is some 11 to one. Uh, in the marketplace, and he's around about eleven to one on the exchange as well. I'll probably back him half win only on the exchange, and probably back him half uh, half of my bet uh, each way four places. Yeah, I'm, I'm very keen on Clondor Castle. Okay, strong chap Clondor Castle from Tony Saint Calvert asked for Kevin Brendan. Where did you land in this very competitive uh, race? Competitive is right, Vanessa. It's so tricky. I I could see Saint Calvert because if a jockey upgrade doesn't even cut it, I mean you're you're going from arguably the worst jockey in the business to the be- to, to the to the best in the business, the very best. Cobden is I mean, a master, but I you don't. You said I don't, it, Brendan. You said it. But I don't. I, I don't like the horse. So I just couldn't even. It's hard to quantify how much he'd improve for Cobden's handling, but he, I just couldn't bring myself. So I went with a, a very solid horse in in our power, uh, who seems a, a, a fair price to me. Uh, he's done very well since joining Sam Thomas. Uh, was third in this race off 136. Now he has to defy 141 on Saturday, but he backed it up fifth in the ultimate, came back quite a snug winner of a valuable Ascot handicap at the end of October. I don't know why we haven't seen him since. I suppose that's a, a nagging concern, but I, I, I'll have a faith in Sam Thomas to have him ready for another valuable prize. And I just love the way the race sets sets up for him. That This promises to be run at a torrid pace. He loves to be held up, just pop around out the back. I can see him coming with a very strong run towards the end of the race, and it might just be strong enough. Mm. Brilliant. 
Okay, let's move on to the last race at Kempton, the 340. This is the Dovecote Novices Hurdle. It's the grade two over the two miles. The action is good at Kempton this weekend. Um, Hansard is your favourite currently at five to four, coming here, stepping up in grade of what we've seen of him so far for, for the Gary Moore team. Jamie Moore, obviously, in the saddle. Rubo is next best in the betting for Paul Nichols. Harry Cobden, 11 to four, has the hood applied after disappointing in the Betfair Hurdle just two weeks ago. Kev, should we start with you here? Um, yeah, sure, why not? Go on, take I, it away. I, I, I love a grade two with a top rate at 130. Um, yeah, they've, they've doubled the prize money in this race, and God help them, the, the quantity's actually gone down since the last two years. But <laughs> um, there you but there you go. But look, uh, Imperial Imperial BD, if we want to pronounce it like that, Betty, um, for John Joe and JP is really interesting to me. Um, came from France, where, where you know was showing up well in those um, those AQPS flat races and hurling debut. Like like with JP's, like I, I don't think he ever likes them to win first time. He likes them to have an educational spin, and that's what he had. And uh, was much better at Huntington last time. Um, Huntington, sorry. Um, and again, classic kind of JP, like doesn't want them winning too far, you know, all hands and heels, one better than the bare margin um, to, to my eye. And look, while on the day he mightn't have jumped up and said, God, you're going to win a grade two next time. This isn't a super grade two at all. And um, even off a mark of 120 with, with the amount of improvement he potentially has up his sleeve. Um, I thought he was really interesting and a, a fair alternative to the, the top of the market who, while they have better form in the book, I don't think they have as much scope to improve as he does. Fair enough. Yeah, he's currently five to one, third best in betting. Um, over to you, TC, for this, the Dove Cup. Yeah, um, I thought the top the two at the top of the market were, were far too short. Um, you can too. Um I think the better ground will suit that. Top price, top industry price, 11 to 2 with Betfair. I thought that was very good. I've also backed Imperial Bead at 6 to 1, so I'm happy to Dutch them against the field. Um, everything Kev said about Imperial Bead last time, I, I just thought, you know, won really convincingly. Although the second, a very good flat horse, Arkub, come out and got stuff last time, I think that was probably better than they looked because that one made mistakes. So, yeah, I'm against the top two of the market on prices, uh, and I'm with the next two of the betting uh, on odds on scrouds as, as well. Yeah, so yeah, those are two I'm playing against the field. Interesting, Brendan. Both the lads keen to take on the top two in the market as they've just confirmed. There, are you the same? What what do you do with this race? There's going to be some price journeys here. I'm not sure how it's going to happen, but based on the two weeks I've been here, uh, the term grade two should be grayed out, shouldn't it? I mean, this is a dire race. Hansard, I remember Hansard well as a moderate bumper horse in Ireland. Uh, now, he has improved for Gary Moore, but winning novice hurdles in Huntington and Plumpton, albeit that was a good race in Plumpton, and it's five to four. You think, well, I have to take this on, but what do I take it on with? Rubo. That's just far too keen. That doesn't give itself a chance. You can tango pulled up the last time. That Mullenbeg, she's a fizzy sort as well. KF Legend should have a tactical edge, but shouldn't be good enough. So I too ended up with the Imperial Bead. The Venerable Ah. Bead, I hear you say, Vanessa. No, the Imperial Bead. But I don't know. 
<clears throat> it's very difficult to decide what price this horse should be because, I mean, look at the journey it's been on. It was in France, talented bump horse in France, comes back first run in the green and gold, 40 to one in an entry bumper, granted uh, a graded bumper at the festival, but runs as the market expected. Then he comes out, he's 25 to one in a Leicester novice hurdle. How is that How is that even possible given his profile? Well, it's possible given his connections, but he yeah. actually ran quite well despite not jumping particularly well uh, and ran on for third then he goes to Huntington he's eight to one in Huntington so he's not fancied again jump pretty well and jump better than he did in Leicester now I think he'll have to jump better again on Saturday but that's entirely possible given his profile so he was the one I ended up with but I mean it wouldn't surprise me if he went off 10 to one uh, I, I just don't know what's going to happen with the price of this horse Okay, three votes for the McManus horse. Really, I liked it. Okay, let's move on to Lingfield. Go to the all-weather. We've got a listed in a group three race over at Lingfield. It's one of their good days of the winter in regards to the flat. And the 3.30 is the Heaver Sprint Stakes. It's a listed contest. It's over the five furlongs. And it sees really a terrific, very competitive field lineup. You've got Tone the Barone up at the top of the market at 11 to 5, currently with Betfair. Um, the sort of proven horse, and we've seen him in the, this grade of race for a good while now. He's a seven-year-old, but then Alligator Alley takes him on. He's seven to two for Jason Watson. David O'Meara now, Kevin, training Alligator Alley, and he's really bounced back to the sort of form he was showing in Ireland as a juvenile. Miss Nay Never is in there. Jason Hart in the saddle at seven to two. Arecibo for Jamie Spencer, another horse that's very proven. Uh, you've got sort of proven versus potential versus horses bouncing back, Kev. I know you'll like this sort of race. I really like this sort of race now that I've been converted to the all-weather. Uh, where did you land this alligator alley for me to continue his improve? Well, it's sort of bounced back, I think it's fair to say. You're one of us now, Vanessa. Welcome to the team. I am. <laughs> yeah, it's a proper race um, and should be kind of no excuses territory. There looks to be solid pace there between um, the likes of Lookout Louis and One Night Stand and Tone LeBron would be good and prominent. Uh, like I don't think that they should go an even pace, maybe better, um, which is what your Alligator Alleys and your Arecibos would like. I hovered around Arecibo a bit. Um, look, we know he's a bit tricky in that, but he's never run over the minimum trip on the all-weather. Um, he's only run a couple of times in the all-weather, all told. And I, I could see it suit him. But uh, and look, Robert Cowell, we talked about it a good few times during last season, like in a nightmare season, really. Um, it looks like they might be in slightly better form now. But look, on his season of return, it just, it just made me a little bit windy. So I veered away from him and towards one with a not totally dissimilar profile in, in Alligator Alley, who, like you say, took a little while to adapt to David O'Mara's, but um, is really booming now. It, it was one of the most um, horrific experiences of my entire summer, Vanessa, when he sported the Irish Silks in the Racing League off a mark of 85 at Doncaster, and poor old Jason Watson, he was he he had a bad experience, and the horse finished on the bridle back in ninth. It was absolutely miserable, and of course oh. he's you know gone up twenty pounds since. But there we go. Um, <laughs> like I think if he's drawn low, it'll probably be um, a fraught enough experience if you back him because he'll be sitting waiting. But I'm hoping he won't get too far back from that draw. And given where the pace is drawn. Like if, if he's too back on the rail, you take that and you, you know, it either happens or it doesn't in the straight. But I'm hoping if, if they go the sort of even or better pace that, that I think the pace map suggests they will, they'll start to break up a little bit. 
you know, coming down to the furlong and a half pole and hopefully the, the luck is with Jason on this occasion. So I'll side with Alligator Alley, but only marginal in a, in a super tough race. Great, love it. I'm Team Alligator Alley as well. TC, did you have a good look at the all-weather? Where did you land in the heaver? Yeah, I mean, how quickly we forget. You're calling, you know, Tone the Barone. As you, Carhill, knows, it's called Tone the Bar One. After <laughs> his local bar. This, 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 it, I actually spoke to the owner. No, I am joking, about, Vanessa. About this one. <laughs> No, I, I am joking. Yeah. When we, I know you are, but when we were filling time one day at Wolverhampton, I asked them what what the name story is, and uh, he went on a long ramble about why this horse is called Tony <laughs> Brown. Essentially, it actually it actually wasn't a very interesting story. Don't ask the question. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah you had to, you had to feel it worked. I'm yeah, very. Works, uh, I, I'm actually amazed that uh, Alligator Rally finished on the bridle at uh, Newcastle after meeting trouble in running. It never happens there, does it? It was never. Doncaster. It was Doncaster. Uh. Oh, <laughs> he did it at Newcastle as well, actually. That horse. Um, now, I when the betting opened uh, this morning. Um, the sports were top price about last year's winner, one night stand at thirty threes. They're still top price at twenty fives, and. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was probably big enough. It's obviously a very trappy race, and he's one of four horses that um, that uh, go forward here. So he might not get his own way, but he made all the race last year when beating Mon Damage, uh, and he's got a bit to find. But if he does get out in front, then you know he he could hang on like he did last year. I mean, you have a situation where uh, he, he ran all right on on his comeback. He had a long time off, and they run him over six furlongs uh, to here. And he's, he's best over five. And yeah, he travelled, he, he got out in front from his midfield draw, got on the rail. Uh, he was still in front just before the furlong marker. Uh, and I think he, he dropped away after that, but I think they'll be absolutely delighted with it, given that he won the race last year. I imagine that was a, a stepping stone to this. Now, you know, a mark of 94 tells you, that, you know, he needs to improve. But if he does get to the front, uh, beat the three uh, the pace rivals, I thought 25s was probably a little bit on the big side. I am okay. going to bet on him, uh, but it will be literally as small as you small. like. A, a damn size bet. That's what we call a small bet. A damn <laughs> size this bet. This is terrible. You've got sizes. You've got slagging David Maxwell off. This is actually... I thought you were a new romantic uh, Brendan, you're not one of these. Don't get cynical like me. You've only been on here two weeks, and all you, you, you take yeah. a bad lead already. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. You're right. I should be uh, much more positive. Spring has sprung, etc. Yeah, I'm full of the joys. Full of the joys. There'll be some girls out in tweed skirts before you know it, Brendan. That'll really put a pep in your step. Yeah. Lucky girls. I think we can both agree, Vanessa. Go on, Brendan. What do you think? <laughs> oh yeah, well, as the lads have mentioned, it's what it's top would you go for? I know you said the black leggings and the tweed skirt. What what top are we going for? I nice said, white crisp shirt. I think I said black to oh sauce. Yeah, yeah, cotton. <laughs> lovely, lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all about texture. This game, isn't it? And it's not actually. It's all about the one thirty five in Linkfield, which, as the lads mentioned, is very difficult with a lot of pace signed on. And despite that, my tentative uh, selection was look out, Louis. 
who is one of the, uh, he's drawn to attack, but will have face competition. Uh, very hit and miss profile, this horse. But for, for punters, when he hits, he tends to win, uh, which is quite a, a pleasing trait. Uh, he went up uh, over a stone in the ratings over the course of last year. Probably needs to improve a little bit here, but he has a good record fresh and he's a double figure price. So there is my tentative shout. Brilliant. Thank you very much for that. Look out, Louis, for Brendan. Let's move on uh, to the 205 at Lingfield, which is the Group 3. It's the Winter Derby, and Lord North is at the top of the betting, currently at 6-4 to four on, um, making his annual, well, his reappearance since July last year, obviously coming back onto the all-weather. He was second in this race last year when he went off favourite, disappointed behind Alan Kerr that day. It looks like he's going to go off favourite again for it. Over stablemate Forrest of Dean, who's got Colin Story in the saddle at 4-1 to one next best. And he made um, a good sort of all-weather comeback when we saw him here, actually, at Newcastle in January. I was here that day. Colin Story gets to keep the ride. Herobian next in there for John and Thady Gosden again at 6-1. to one. So they've got the top three in the betting. Um I don't know if I can get over Lord North disappointing uh, at Lingfield last year in this race, Kev, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah, he was disappointing, wasn't he? And sure, look, you're just trying to you're trying to put yourself in, in the trainer's head, aren't you? And like one assumes this is going to be a prep for the for the Dubai turf again, you know, so he's not going to be cherry ripe, you wouldn't think. So and tactically, like this could just be a little bit messy. Um, like I don't think they're going to want to be forcing him forward at this stage of his life, at this stage of the season. Like I'd imagine they'll be looking to drop into midfield and kind of see what happens from there. And there just doesn't seem to be mountains of pace to me. Um, and I, yeah. Now you, you have you have to bear in mind, I suppose, that um, the, the same connections do have Haravonian. And he is one of the ones that can go forward. So if if this day was really important to them, Haravoyan would probably really drive on uh, and make the pace. But uh, I, I don't know if to this day will matter as much for them to do that. Um, and I thought Haravonian might be able to nick a bit of the, nick a bit of the pie from the front end. Um, was my read on it. And he wouldn't have quite the class of some of these, but tactically he might just be in the right spot. He has the benefit of race fitness. He was behind Forrest of Dean last time, who, if I recall correctly, I think Tony likes Forrest of Dean um, from, from previous interactions. But um, no, not, not a race for big stakes for me, Vanessa, for little small stakes. So I'd recommend one Dan each way on Haravonia. Nice, nicely done. At six to one currently. But interestingly, I thought he was more suited to tracks like Newcastle with that long home stretch. We've seen him to such good effect on the turf with uh, tracks with long home stretches. Um, but he can operate around Lingfield. It's just the case of whether he absolutely does bring his A game to that track for me, which he'll need here to, on Saturday. I couldn't hear the first part of that because you were playing with your cravat. So, um, um I was, yeah. I, I got the gist. Um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously, we talked about Imperial B, what price will that go off? It's a very similar scenario with Lord North, isn't it? I mean, form-wise, I think he's about 10 to 11 on the exchange at the moment. Form-wise, he should be twos on. If he went off at two to one, would you be massively shocked uh, in these days of um, the market giving you a fair indication? No, I thought the way to play this 
and we haven't got prices at the moment, but there is one set of prices out there in the marketplace. I thought I want to take him out of the equation because I don't know what price, I don't know his levels of fitness. Like I said, he'll win if he's fit enough. You know, he he, he obviously won't if he's not. Um, I thought Fox's tails is, is quite interesting because only on the grounds is, I think, fresh is the time to catch him. He's got form figures on his seasonal debut of 2-1-2. Obviously, he's very talented, very quirky, very frustrating. But if ever a horse is going to benefit from being gelded, I think it's Fox's tails. Um, the one firm who had prices up has got most 15 to 2 without Lord North. And um, yeah, that would interest me. But obviously, we haven't got the sportsbook prices. and. The one from our price up are uh, quite rogue uh, in some of their prices. So, yeah, um, I'd be looking for a price yeah. about Fox's Tails, but, again, without without any odds that I can't really make a recommendation. Okay, Fox's Tails without the favourite for the Andrew Balding team. They're in very good order at the moment, Brendan. Where did your pin land in the Winter Derby? Well, it, it's just, uh, I found it really hard to get away from the fab like that. I mean, you, you look at it at such a short price and you think it's a prep for Dubai as it was last year. There's the potential for it to be falsely run. I mean, I don't, I don't back horses at short prices, but I, I wouldn't be taking him on at that price because basically he was second to a Lenkar last year. If he repeats that form, it's probably good enough here. If he repeats any of his runs over the last two years, even the Prince of Wales when they couldn't get the blindfold off in the stalls is probably good enough. He's just got such a massive class edge that I found him impossible to take on. But um, perhaps the most interesting thing to watch will be to see how he does go on the market. Okay. I can confirm that when I was... An- Tony will hate this, so bear with me, Tony. But when you're not going to say favourites have got a good record in this race, are you? No, no. When when I I was at Lingfield when he ran, (laughs) when I was at Lingfield when he ran, I was I know I was reporting on this day. God knows why I got such a good. That that doesn't bother me when people say that. They they must have been short for the shifts because I got a good shift this time last year, and I was actually at Lingfield for this race day. And we had really built up on the channel because it was obviously between Lord North and Alan Kerr on the day. And I know you hate this sort of thing, but Lord North came in and I'm no expert on this, but there was just no way what as soon as you set eyes on him, he would have backed him. He just looked completely half cooked. And it was a fair assessment given how he ran. Meanwhile, Alan Kerr, obviously that wasn't his biggest day. It was a prep as well for something else. But he looked a million dollars for the Haggis team. And so I said that on the telly and then the horse ran accordingly. So I was delighted with myself. Peter, you weren't out there with Protector at run when he was only 85% fit (laughs) when he was smashed up at Cheltenham in his prep race. I had to flag that up for you, I'd have flagged that up for you, don't you worry. Uh, Right, on we go, on we go. We've got one more race to do and we're up here to Newcastle for the Ida Chase, the big handicap chase of the staying trip up here. And Kitty's Light, the aforementioned Christian Williams team, is your favourite at the top of the market. Five to two, Jack Tudor up here for the ride at Newcastle. Sam's Adventure next at sixes. Uh, The Galloping Bear in there at sevens. And um, after that, it's Eva's Oscars at eight, Bushy Park at nines. As you would expect, um, there are, I think punters are really will really latch on to Kitty's light in this market, and they probably already have Tony, given the fact yeah. that it's five to two. Yeah, there's been a few movers this week. Sam's Adventure, who won this race a couple of years ago, that was sixteen pretty much across the board on on Tuesday. Um, obviously, that's been well backed in. 
Um, and Kitty's Light, that was always at the top of the market. It's freezing to five to two. It's it's a classic. It's a it, you know this 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 is a classic kind of like. Do you back a horse because you really fancy it, but you don't really like the price, but you just back it anyway? Uh, and I think that's where where the grounds are here. I mean, the way Christian Williams, you know, gets these staying handicaps, um, gets some handicapped. I mean, it's like I mean, the well, the hand, the BAJ handicapper in charge of the staying chasers. He must be Welsh, mustn't he? He must. His nickname must be Boyle. And um, I mean, like, it's just ridiculously well handicapped, isn't he? He's Eleven pound now, them second to win my wings. Kev's favourite ever, ever horse um, in the, the Scottish National. Showed a bit more last time. Got another three pounds off. Bang, up in trip. It's just got, you know, it, it, if you ask me the most likely winner, you know, clearly it's that, but I'm not backing five to two. I'm not that desperate for a winner. I'm not not that yet. Um, I thought Rose Dobbin's horse is quite interesting. Uh, first time cheap pieces. She's Three from 15 in recent years, and she's had another three seconds there. So Rafa Neuer was interesting. Then I went back and had a look at the run in this race last year. Don't think she stayed. Um, Bevington Bob, again, I quite like that, but her, that one's prices. That was 20 to 1 in the anti-post list last week. That's now seven. So uh, what I'm trying to say is I thought Kitty's Light's going to win, but I'm not willing to take five to two in a 15-runner handicap chase. I probably I'll probably sit this one out, which is unlike me in a in a in a race like this. But the three I liked are the three I think are the three at the top of the market are underpriced. Okay, no bet for TC, but he obviously can't, you know can see why Kitty's light is at the top of the market. And um, Brendan, where did you land in the Ida? Well, I, I I hope this is the horse I, I would have picked, but it could be a, a factor that I'm trying to keep myself out of the job centre by tipping another big price winner. But this Shanty Alley, I couldn't I couldn't see how this was a 25 to one shot. So it, it's a horse that had problems, but was given a wind up before this season, comes back with two narrow defeats and then goes form mixed messages from the form but you can make a case that it's reasonable form then he goes to the sky bet chase clouds the first fence and never goes a yard after that so i give him a pass can't be convinced that he's going to stay but i mean how many can you say that about in a race like this basically got a horse who's shown decent form from up for two of his three runs this season has been competitive off higher marks in the past is only a nine-year-old it just didn't add up to 25 to one to me yeah, currently, as you say, 25s in the market. Shanti Ali, Conor O'Farrell in the saddle. And Kev, final shout to you in the Ida. Where did you land? Yeah, I love these races, Vanessa. Um, love them. Uh, I, I was hovering around Bushy Park for quite some time. Um, I suppose he, he was most infamous for landing an almighty touch in his, in his first start. In the, well, his, his, well, his first competitive start in the handicap hurdle back a couple of years ago. And that was at 83 and he went on a march all the way up to the high 130s. But um, the, the handicapping in Britain is just unbelievable. It, it really is. Um, not, not, not from that point of view, but his his penultimate run over fences, right? He was pulled up in a, in a novice chase of a published mark of 137. 137, right? He goes on to have three runs over hurdles where he's pulled up three times. And when he returns over fences, he's been dropped 18 pounds. Like my Fair. God, if the handi- if Fair. the handicapper, 
if the handicapper carried on like that in Ireland, oh my God, the strokes that'd be pulled, <laughs> it'd be unbelievable. But look, he he came back to form at um, at Catterick last time. Um, won very well. I'd say this type of race is exactly what he wants, but the ground is a big, massive worry. Massive worry. Um, if it was soft ground, I'd definitely be going with him, but it's even with the bit of water and Tony mentioned, I don't think it's going to get soft. So unless the heavens open and um, and it, it does go soft, he wouldn't be my selection. The one I landed with was Bavington Bob that Tony mentions has been well backed since the anti-post market opened. And a couple of angles here um, looks to be getting lazier with age crying out for a trip and arguably headgear and um, gets boat here and ran really well at Kelso last time, you know, represented a big bounce back, but um, trainer Anne Hamilton had a very slow start to the season and now she's starting to rock. I think two of her last three runners have won um, and he, he looks back to life. She looks back to life, blinkers up in trip, Ground will be no problem at all. Um, has won a couple of times over fences around Newcastle. Um, ticked lots of boxes for me. And if you're if you're tuned in early enough to get twenty to one now, I think you have an absolute rock and roll of a bet. But um, I think there's still some juice there at uh, at sevens. Babington Bob for me. Just just give you uh, some headgear stats there. I could find she's only put blinkers on five horses as far as I'm aware, and she hasn't put there. She's one from five, and she hasn't used blinkers. Uh, since 2017, um, I really like that outfit. So, you know, they use obviously they use that sparingly. No, she doesn't have a lot of horses, but um, that'll give you okay. some. And, and written by the great Brian Hughes, TC. Very positive, oh, isn't dear. that right, TC? <laughs> oh, well. oh well, right. Champion jockey, top man. Let's do yeah. naps. Let's do naps before we go down this road. Underrated. Um, I'm going to go with Alligator Alley. I'm going to, during the jump season, I'm going to nap up a horse on the flat on the basis that I can't pick a winner over jumps as the naps table shows in the results. So as a result, I'm going to go Alligator Alley in the Heaver Sprint Stakes over the five furlongs at Linkfield, the 130 on Saturday, please. Uh, Brendan, you can go next with your nap. I will go 150 Kenton, Sarson's Risk. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Can you see your map, please? Clondale Castle, three o'clock, Kempton. Win only. Okay. Going for the Bob. Babington, Bob, and the Eider. Win only. Get up. The And the Hammer, Hamilton. Great. Thank you so much, everyone. That's been a lot of fun rattling through Saturday's action on ITV Racing. As always, everyone, thank you very much for watching and listening. Don't forget the Bet 10 Get 10 offer with Betfair, but please do read the show's description so that you can read all the T's and C's because you need to do that. Also, enjoy the weekend, but gamble responsibly. Hit subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss a single episode and join us again on Monday where we will be back with Wade in. Time will tell whether we let Brendan Duke back for another episode. It's really very dependent. I'm off the way tweet skirt. I'll see you a bit later, Brendan. Peace <laughs> and bad. Peace and Goodbye from us. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone.